Well, welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Reimagining Cyber Extra. This week, we're actually going to be discussing a topic we, we kind of haven't touched in a little bit of time, which is ransomware. And there's several different news items that have come up. And so Stan and I were chatting and saying, you know what? We should actually bring this up in conversation and, and have a conversation on just what we're seeing within this particular area of ransomware and some of the new things that are happening. So Stan, why don't you kick us off? So Rob, one of the incidents that caught my eye was this ransomware attack that hit the Ion Trading UK firm. Did you did you see yes, that one? I did. Yeah, it's interesting as far as, you know, this is a relatively unknown company, but it's a data firm and has, you know, a, an aspect of what it provides is software to trading and automation, uh, support automation within fin- the financial industry. And so when it was hit by this ransomware attack in late January, it had a pretty major impact on derivative trading globally. Um, and that impact is still being evaluated as of this recording. It left scores of brokers unable to process derivative trades, uh, and they had to resort to manual methods. Imagine them going back to right. using you know spreadsheets to figure able to figure out what's okay. going on as far as their trades. You know, so you know it's one of those things where they they were hit. They took off the servers, you know, took them offline, and that impacted the derivative mm-hmm. trading. Threat actor is purportedly Lockbit, which is one of the big right. ransomware as a service kind of uh, attack uh, threat actors, and um, they basically threatened to publish the data that they stolen on the fourth of February. And purportedly, Ion Trading made the decision to go ahead and pay the ransom on the third of February. And we're not advocating payment of ransom. You know, that's not something we, but that's what they did. Right. Um, and you know that. Things are back to quote unquote normal, but again, that's one of those instances where they they targeted this organization that had much bigger impact to a particular field or sector than otherwise you would have thought. The other thing that's kind of interesting about this is, you know, yes, the ransom was paid, so hence, you know, everything seems to be okay, but okay for now, because if you look at it, right, who's to say that they don't actually still hold that data, a copy of that data, I should say, right? And who's to say that at some point in time, they don't come back and double dip, right? And saying, hey, we're going to actually release this information. And releasing mm-hmm. this information can be negatively impactful to ION because now you're going to be exposing you know, some of their, you know, the larger investors that they have and some of the different kind of details relative to the type of business that they do there that could negatively impact, you know, the trickle effect, right? Down to their client base. It's a touchy subject, right? And it's, it's kind of, we always go back and forth on you know, what, what's the right thing to do? I think ultimately it comes down to each organization's risk appetite, how they, you know, plan to deal with these different types of things. And it's, it's, it's independent, right? So that's an example, right, of an organization that was taken down that had an impact broadly. But then you have the other side of the equation where you have a vulnerability that is in, in a number of different organizations. In this case, it was and this is a campaign that purportedly that's being um, perpetrated right now, targeting VMware's ESX I technology. And it's a previously known vulnerability that's been out there for two years. Right. But the, the reality is that organizations have been slow in patching it. There was a general warning put out by Italy's National Cybersecurity Agency, ACN, mm-hmm. um, warning about a large-scale campaign now exploiting this vulnerability. Thousands of computer servers across Europe and North America could potentially be impacted. Um, apparently, Europe 
is feeling it first in France, Finland, Italy are most affected at the moment in Europe. Um, U.S. and Canada has a lot of juicy targets that they're potentially also going to be hit. So again, it's sort of like, okay, well, in the first case, you had an organization hit that had then widespread impact that forced the payment of ransom. In this context, it's like, well, if you're not going to patch, we'll take advantage of that, you know, that vulnerability in your, your server farm. And, and now multiple targets are, well, well, are possibly being hit. Yeah. And this is the thing, right? So as you said, it's two years old, right? So it's the constant right. theme of here's the vulnerability, here's the patch. And then people aren't able to take action on it. I mean, we're talking about two years and it, it's, it's nothing new. It's not to say that there aren't other vulnerabilities and exploits that have been known for long period of times that people aren't taking action on to get up to, uh, to, to, to speed and ensure that that system is properly protected. The Italy piece that was interesting was that um, it basically knocked out Telecom Italia and mm -hmm. their sp streaming services for different types of sporting events. So that was a big thing. I think if we would have a sidebar conversation with our producer, Ben, he, he may have been aware of what was going on with his big, you know, following of football, as they call it over there in, in Europe. Right. You never right. know. What else? What else are we seeing out there, Stan? Well, I mean, there was some good news. I mean, I don't know if you, I mean, it made the news several weeks ago that there was a, uh, a global effort by law enforcement, I think spearheaded by the FBI, to dismantle one of these ransomware as a service providers. I mean, I mentioned Lockbit earlier. They're one of the big players. Black Bastia is another one. Hive, though, is another major high-profile ransomware provider. They had a, a multi-year effort of taking down Hive. You know, if you look at some of the history of what they've done, they've extorted money from organizations in 80 different countries around the globe. You know, mm -hmm. so this is great news. There were no arrests um, in this. I mean, they they took down servers. They basically really hampered the ability of one of the most prolific ransomware groups to do business. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you know, they could just instantiate themselves potentially uh, right. elsewhere. Some of these individuals behind these services are untouchables. They can't get to them uh, as far as some of the countries they're in. So that's unfortunate. But I think it is, it's great news. One of the things that uh, as they were in Hive, they were able to get access to some of these encryption keys. Mm -hmm. And behind the scenes, they were providing these encryption keys yep. to to targets. At least some of the ones that they they knew about. One of the things that again this goes back to the information flow between law enforcement and victims. If the victims are not identifying themselves back to law enforcement, they can't help. And in this case, they were able to help uh, providing mm -hmm. this information back to them uh, to help them decrypt their data. Um, there are others out there that potentially could take advantage of this if they if they raise their hand. It's a big win for the FBI and you know law enforcement in general. You know, think about it. They were able to infiltrate Hive's network for several months, sitting mm -hmm. there learning. And as you said, you know, ultimately, you know, the big one is getting the decryption keys. I think I had seen it. It was somewhere in the range of 130 million dollars, roughly. They were able to actually, you know, save for the right. uh, the impacted victims out there, right? So, so you have Hive, who ultimately, in the past almost two years, they've been in operation now, get up to about 100 million or so, right, in kind of revenues, if you will, in this, you know, ransomware as a service model. Uh, but yet again. A great win. And I mentioned the FBI, but but there were other players involved too. I think, you know, the Germ German Federal Criminal Police um, was another organization that was involved. I think they had to coordinate with a number of different law enforcement agencies mm -hmm. across the globe um, to help take down this website and associated servers. From a broader perspective, again, that you know, this, this takedown shows that, you know, the international enforcement against ransomware threat actors 
is increasing. I think this is a good sign. Uh, it may make it more difficult for some of these entities to to target organizations in the future. But as we talked about at the top, they're still ongoing, right? You know, and so it's going to be difficult to truly mitigate this threat if you can't reach those that are behind it. But if they're able to get in and actually help those that are being victims, uh, and that's, again, the communication, the victims need to be working with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. I know that the ransomware actors threaten victims not to uh, work with law enforcement, but um, I think that's a decision each organization has to make as far as it is. We've also discussed and had guests on the topic, but then general topics that interconnect back into helping organizations with, you know, ransomware. So maybe we can kind of get into that, you know, what are some thoughts? What are some different kind of approaches to take? Well, I mean, actually, if you go back to last year, one of the things that our Galaxy Threat Intel platform did is they published a great report on ransomware. It talked about the different threat actors, helped you better understand their tactics and techniques, mm-hmm. um, but also address some of the mitigation strategies. And I, you know, I think that we were just talking about, you know, whether or not you should pay the ransom or whether or not um, you should deal with law enforcement. You should be thinking about that, your strategies and how you actually would approach some kind of attack ahead of time. You don't want to be making those decisions in real time during an attack. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like a, almost like a tabletop exercise. Like this is part of a tabletop exercise. You have to go through, be aligned with the business and, you know, everybody understands what decisions are, are planned to be made when and if something like this occurs. And I think you bring up a great point that that was an excellent resource. It's been out for almost a year now, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We can put that, we can put that in the show notes for sure. Cause it, it is a good guiding kind of um, set of key areas to take into consideration, kind of keep it simple at a top level of, you know, the, these areas you mentioned where you start with that strategy. You connect it to the alignment of, you know, the business, um, you know, stakeholders. And so everybody gets on the same page, then you can start really driving at, you know, what are the actual kind of um, control mechanisms we're going to put in place to best secure, right? Those particular assets in the environment we're most concerned about. So I think it's, it's, it's good to see, you know, some kind of guiding, you know, again, principles on the things you should be concerned about and considering in regards to how you're dealing with ransomware response in, in, in general. So, Rob, you mentioned tabletop exercises and their value, right? We had Brett Thorson from Boston Consulting back in, I think, episode 12 in the spring of 21. Mm, yeah. um, and and he leads a lot of those kind of tabletop exercises to help executives think through these yeah. kind of challenges and it helps prepare them. I think also you just need to actually have your contingency plans. You need to have your continuing op- business continuity plans and disaster recovery to include these kind of scenarios about not only physical disasters, but also things like ransomware attacks. Mm-hmm. What would you do? I mean, in this case in point with ion trading and the impact of derivative traders, you can no longer access your your systems that you normally would use to be able to process trades. How would you do it? Do you have supporting spreadsheets to allow you to then continue to do work and process trades? Are you done? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's another thing to think through. But it got me also thinking, as you mentioned about Brett, I remember we also had a good conversation on tabletop exercises with Jim Rouse, one of the very early conversations uh, and episodes, actually. And he was talking about a great learning experience coming out of that was also how having the executives there for the exercise, walking through a scenario... And it made them all realize that when something like that, for example, occurs, that particular scenario, there's not a need for us to be communicated to, to ask permission to take action. 
take the action. We, we've blessed you in essence. Go take these actions. We entrust in you running our security organization to go ahead and do so. Right. And so that, again, another lesson learned. But again, if you haven't gone through and thought- Because you have to act quickly. You, you have do. to act quickly you in these instances. Absolutely. But you have to be empowered and know that you have the That's ability right. to make these decisions, whether it be pulling the servers offline yep. or, you know, again, go, reaching back to your backups. Now, yep. you mentioned also, you know, taking steps to secure your organizations. And so obviously backup everything, but mm -hmm. you have to have an architecture that, because the, you know, the, the, the threat actors, the lock bits of the world know that you have backups and they're going to go after those backups in the process of discovery and try to either knock them out, or yeah. lock them up or something. So you have to have an architecture that has that in mind of these threat actors coming into your environment. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's another thing to think about and other layers of protection, you know, the, the detection and hopefully detecting these bad actors coming in as mm -hmm. quickly as you can to, to hopefully isolate and mitigate that as well as putting in place things like multi-factor authentication. We've talked about that before. The fact that MFA might help prevent some of the easy buttons as far as coming into your environment. And, and I think that's a very, very key point that you, we can't emphasize enough is, and again, in many episodes, we've discussed this, making it harder for the attacker. Making it harder for the attacker basically gets them to move on to a softer target, right? right. So, so the more you can do on these different types of, you know, kind of techniques, putting them in place, you know, they're, they're going to move on to the next victim. They're, they're not going to sit there and try to continue to battle away and waste their time because their time is money. And it's a business at the end of the day. And, and we sort of talked about that with Sean Tuma in the episode mm -hmm. on, on cyber insurance. You know, the fact that the cyber insurance um, providers are trying to uh, ensure that these protections and these controls are in place because they have seen where they have been exploited and they don't want to continue to pay right. out you know, due to, you know, a successful exploit and ransomware, they don't want to have to pay anymore. So they're mm -hmm. forcing, uh, they're a forcing factor as far as getting these controls in place. It's just a really important topic that I think, you know, it's great that we were able to bring back to the light and say, you know, the stuff is still out there going on and you can see some different examples of the bad things, but also the good things that are occurring in this space. So hopefully people enjoyed today's episode. We're looking forward to the next extra and the next episode coming up as well in the podcast series. So thanks everyone. Thanks Rob. Till next time.